Section 61 of The Golden Gems of Life. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Annie Hill. The Gems of Life by Emery Adams Allen and S. C. Ferguson. Section 61. The Toilet. Quote, costly thy habit as thy purse can buy but not expressed in fancy rich not gaudy for the apparel oft proclaims the man shakespeare End quote. as the index tells us the contents of books and directs to the particular chapter even so does the outward habit and superficial order of garment denote the spirit and demonstratively point out like to a marginal note the internal qualities of the soul we believe it to be the duty of all young and old to make their persons as far as possible agreeable to those with whom they are associated if possible dress yourself fine where others are fine and plain where the apparel of others is plain a man who finds himself badly dressed amongst well-dressed people feels awkward and ill at ease he stammers and is confused in speech he makes all manner of ridiculous blunders and it is well-nigh impossible for him to assume that air of simple dignity which should characterize the bearing of a gentleman but it should be remembered that this feeling should have nothing to do with dress proper it is only when there is a manifest impropriety in the mode of dress that dress should suit the time and the occasion the man in his workshop or field or the lady busied with the household duties should have no occasion to feel ill at ease because not so finely dressed as the casual caller such a feeling should be instantly checked since it is born of pride not of an innate desire to please others the love of beauty and refinement belongs to every true woman she ought to desire in moderation pretty dresses and delight in beautiful colors and graceful fabrics she ought to take a certain not too expensive pride in herself and be solicitous to have all belongings to her well chosen and in good style many fail to understand the true object and importance of this sentiment let no woman suppose that any man much less her husband is indifferent to her appearance but women should constantly beware lest what was meant as a means of influence becomes a ruling passion and let it be ever remembered that beauty of dress does not reside in the material that time place and circumstance are all to be considered that they may look far more bewitching in the eyes of those whom they are desirous to please when clad in neat calico than if robed in silks and satins and depend upon it that the husband wearied with his day's work had far rather find the wife neatly clad doing or superintending household duties than when dressed in the height of fashion she greets him to a home that sadly needs an efficient willing housekeeper through dress the mind may be read as through the delicate tissue the lettered page women are more like flowers than we think in their dress and adornments they express their natures as the flowers in their petals and colors some women are like the modest daisies and violets they never look or feel better than when dressed in a morning wrapper when women are free to dress as they like uncontrolled by others and not limited by their circumstances 
they do not fail to express their true characters a modest woman will dress modestly a really refined and intelligent woman will bear the marks of careful selection and faultless taste it is to be feared that many both ladies and gentlemen fail to recognize the beauty which always accompanies simplicity the stern simplicity of the classic taste is seen in the statues and pictures of the old masters in athens the ladies were not gaudily but simply arrayed and we doubt whether any ladies have ever excited more admiration female loveliness never appears so good advantage as when set off by simplicity of dress tinselries may serve to give effect on the stage or upon the ballroom floor but in daily life there is no substitute for the charm of simplicity a vulgar taste is not to be disguised by gold and diamonds the absence of a true taste and refinement of delicacy cannot be compensated by the possession of the most princely trousseau mind measures gold but gold cannot measure mind those who think that in order to dress well it is necessary to dress extravagantly or gaudily make a great mistake elegance of dress does not depend upon expense a lady might wear the costliest silks that italy could produce adorn herself with laces from brussels which years of patient toil are required to fabricate she might carry the jewels of an eastern princess around her neck and upon her wrists and fingers yet still in appearance be essentially vulgar these are nothing without grace without adaptation without an harmonious development of colors without the exercise of discrimination and good taste god has implanted in the minds of all but especially in the female breast the love of beauty and one way that this feeling finds expression is in the matter of dress and personal adornment we think that it is the duty of all to clothe themselves in that style of dress which most becomes them provided that it does not conflict with hygienic rules and is warranted by their circumstances it is their duty since when in choice personal adornment they have a dignity and sense of personal elevation which they do not experience when in uncouth attire pride of course often enters into fine dressing and many women are fond of flaunting their fine feathers in people's eyes but a great majority love handsome dressing in obedience to an instinct of refinement in consequence of that sense of personal purity which accompanies the wearing of choice apparel to advise a young lady to dress herself with any serious departure from the prevailing fashion of her day and class is to advise her to incur a penalty which may very probably be the wreck of her whole life's happiness but it is only the fault of public opinion that any penalties at all follow innovations in themselves sensible and modest to train this public opinion by degrees to bear with more variations of costume and especially to insist upon the principle of fitness as the first requisite of beauty should be the aim of all sensible women nothing can be in worse taste than for sensible women to wear clothes by which their natural movements are impeded and their purposes of whatever sort thwarted by their habiliments the styles of dress are so many and varied that it would be a vain as well as useless attempt to classify them there is one principle running through all which every woman should carefully consider are your modes of dress in accordance with the rules of hygiene 
this question you ought carefully to consider ever remembering that nature will allow none of her laws to be violated in the name of fashion with impunity and that every style of dress that does not conform to the plainest of nature's teaching should be frowned down upon by all sensible people dress to be in perfect taste need not be costly it is to be regretted that in this age too much attention is paid to dress by those who have neither the excuse of ample means nor of social culture the wife of a poorly paid clerk or of a young man just starting in business aims at dressing as stylishly as does the wealthiest among her acquaintances consistency in regard to station and fortune is the first matter to be considered a woman of good sense will not wish to expend in unnecessary extravagance money wrung from an anxious husband or if her husband be a man of fortune she will not even encroach upon her allowance in the early years of married life when the income is moderate it should be the pride of a woman to see how little she can spend upon her dress and yet present that tasteful and creditable appearance which is desirable the dress of a gentleman never appears more credible than when characterized by simplicity a gentleman's taste in dress is shown in the avoidance of all extravagance a man of wit may sometimes be a coxcomb but a man of judgment and sense never can be a bow dressed out is like a cinnamon tree the bark is worth more than the body a dandy is said to be the mercer's friend the tailor's fool and his own foe there are a thousand fops made by art for one fool made by nature to judge from the actions of many of our young men one would suppose that dress was their highest aim in life elegance of attire is indeed well and when suitable to the surroundings bespeaks the gentleman but men of sterling worth and character are apt to have a feeling of contempt for the one who by his faultless attire and spruce manner conclusively shows that he is actuated by a dandy's view of life a coat that has the mark of use upon it is a recommendation to people of sense and a hat with too much nap or too high a lustre a derogatory circumstance the best coats in our streets are worn on the backs of penniless fops broken-down merchants clerks with pitiful salaries and men that do not pay up dandies and fops are like a body without a soul powder without ball lightning without thunderbolt paint on sand there is much of this in the world we see it exemplified in everything considered valuable the counterfeiter gives the show of gold to his base coin and the show of value to his lying banknote the thief hangs out the appearance of honesty in his face and the liar is thunderstruck if anybody suspects him of equivocation the bankrupt carries about with him the appearance of wealth the fop puts on the masquerade of dignity and importance the poor belle whose mother washes to buy her plumes outshines the peeress of the court many a table steams with costly viands for which the last cent was paid and many a coat sleek and black is worn on the street on which the tailor has a moral mortgage in the matter of dress then when we sum it all up we find that the love of dress is inherent in all true men and women 
and that it would be as unwise as it would be useless to strive against it that while no man or woman should allow themselves to become a slave to dress and fashion still it is no less a duty than it is a privilege to cultivate this love of adornment ever keeping it within due bounds remembering that outward adornment should be but secondary to the adornment of the soul with all noble and great qualities end of section sixty one the toilet